0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We do want to continue, as Pastor Kath mentioned, our series that she began last week called Church, A Place to Be. And on the screen there, that's not a spelling error, just the letter B. It's actually a play on words. It's A Place to Be but there are some key words, all starting with B, that we want to look at and delve into right now. And the reason I say all that, because uh, by way of illustration, have you ever taken a photo with your phone? I'm sure you have. Many of you have. You've taken a photograph with your phone. And if you want to focus the subject matter, all you've got to do is touch the screen. And if you don't touch the f- subject matter that you want clear, it'll be out of focus. And that's really what this series is all about. It's a series that focuses on the church and its purpose. Because we realise with all that we've been through over the last couple of years with COVID, there's a few areas that have got a little bit blurry. And there's a few areas that need just a little bit of attention. And there's a few areas that have taken a hit. I think it'd be fair to say that the hospitality industry have taken a hit. Would you be agreeing that? In actual fact, when I was in Melbourne, the, the, the government are actually giving vouchers out for people to go into the city to actually take their wife or family, husbands or whatever the case may be, out for dinner to get people back into the city. Why? Because it's taken a hit. And they're focusing on getting people back into the city. I think about other industries, the same thing. And I think across the board, and I have a lot of friends who lead churches or are in church leadership, and the church has also taken a hit. And that's fine because the church is resilient. Are you feeling resilient this morning, church? And so this series is about us just refocusing on the purpose of the church. And last week, Pastor Kath mentioned uh, church is a place to be long. It's a place to belong. And I love that message. That resonates in my heart. I want you to no matter what your background is, no matter what your belief system is, you are welcome here. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. Can we please put our hands together for those that are visiting for the first time this morning? You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is definitely a place where you can belong. But it's more than that. It's not just a place you can belong. It is a place where you can belong. You're watching online, it's a place you can belong, but it's more than that. Everyone say more than that. And so that's one component. It's not the only thing, it's not the only driving thing. There are a number of components and that's what we are taking time to touch on in this period of time in order to bring clarity to where things may have got just a little bit blurry. So week one was church, a place to belong. And today we're going to look at church, a place to be, leave to believe. If I say believe. believe. And if you have your bibles with you or a device on you and if you don't please feel free to follow me as we read from the passage on the screen in Matthew chapter 16. And Matthew chapter 16 for those that know me well know this is a passage that's very close to my heart. And I think it's one of those passages I've probably referred to as much as any other passage over the 28 years that we've been going as a church. 28 years and one week to be precise. And Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is being very clever here. He's getting the disciples talking. And they replied, some say they're John the Baptist, and others say that you're Elijah, and still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus changes tack here a little bit. In verse 15, He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I imagine at that moment, it was a little bit awkward. I imagine at that time, there's a little bit of silence. But it was Simon Peter who answered, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father In heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter. There's a name change that takes place here. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the mandate of us. The church, and not know about you, but this is very, very exciting. And so when it comes to the church and what we believe, we need to know a couple of things. We need to know, number one, what believing is. And we also need to know what believing is not. What believing is and what believing is not. Which brings me to my first point this morning, and it's simply this. Our believing isn't in something, but in someone this is a big one. Our belief system is not based on something. It's based on someone. Everyone say someone. Someone. And that someone is Jesus. Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? His first question was, who do they say that I am? But the second question was, who do you say that I am? It's the question that everyone will have to answer one day. The Bible says very clearly that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This question of who Jesus is will be asked of every person on the planet, past, present and future. Christianity is the story of a man and his name is Jesus. It's about a relationship based on a person, not a religion full of rules. And that's what makes Christianity so tricky because it is indeed a relationship. And that's what makes our lives difficult from time to time. It's the relationships we keep because relationships can be difficult and messy as Pastor Nathan Finocchio shared so wonderfully when he was with us in January. And if you missed that message, I would strongly encourage you to get that message. We all want a relationship until we're in one because it's actually messy. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's no longer me just thinking about me. It's me thinking about someone else. And Christianity is a life lived With Christ in mind, I am simply a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. And that's your mandate too. We are nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody. That's our mandate. If you're a teacher, our mandate is that we are a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody while we're doing teaching. Katie, you've still got to teach. You've still got to do that. Remember that. But in the midst of your teaching and in the midst of your studying and in the midst of your working, we should have the attitude that I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. Not something, but someone. Can I get an amen this morning? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the great apostle Paul says it this way. He says, That's why I am, uh, I <laughs> That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed. I love this because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced, I love this, that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Let's just look at this for a moment because Paul does not say, I know what I've believed. Yeah. Paul does not say, I know how much I've believed. Paul doesn't say, I know when I believed. Some of us remember the day we first went to church. We've got the date. We've got the baptism certificate. We know when, but that's not the premise. Paul says, I know who. If I say who. I know in whom I have believed the great pastor, theologian and teacher of his time, Charles Spurgeon said this, I know the person into whose hands I have committed my present condition and my eternal destiny. I know who he is. And I therefore, without hesitation, leave myself in his hands. It is the beginning of spiritual life to believe in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I want to encourage you, church. I want to empower you today, church, that while this is a place where anyone can belong, we must not throw away what we believe. We are allowed to have our opinions. We are allowed to have our say. And our opinions and our say must be saturated in grace, but they must remain our convictions. They must remain what it is that we believe. See, faith can be summed up in two words. And those two words are simply this, believing God. See, faith is more than believing in God. Yeah. Even the devil believes in God. If the devil were here today and we had an interview with him and we said, do you believe in God? I said, sure. Got lots of stories to tell you about me and God. Most of the time I don't come off looking very good. Even the devil believes in God. Believing in God doesn't make you a Christian. Otherwise the devil and all the uh, demons would be a Christian. They believe in God. It's more than that. James chapter 2, verse 19 says it this way. You believe there is a God? Good. But even the demons believe in that and they shudder. They're afraid of what they believe in. So it's more than believing in God. Secondly, it's more than believing about God. Do you know you can read your Bible and learn all about God? You can know that He's Creator. You can know that He's the Son of God. You can know that He's holy. You can know that He's just. You can know that He's merciful. You can know that He's omnipotent, omnipresent, and that uh, He is in control. But true faith is simply believing God. It's not believing about Him, it's not believing in Him, it's just believing Him. Let me illustrate it this way by telling the story of a man by the name of Charles Blondin. And many of you may know that name. He's the 19th century tightrope walker. And on June 30, 1859, he was the first man to tightrope across. Niagara Falls and 25,000 people came out that day to witness this man perform an amazing feat. 1,100 feet across and 160 feet in the air with no safety harness. He did this many times, day after day, after day, after day. And then one day, that party trick was getting a little bit old. And so he thought it up the ante and he got a wheelbarrow. And he put 350 pounds of cement in it. And he walked across the tightrope and went back and forth across the Niagara Falls. And he asked a man, do you think I could carry you on a wheelbarrow? The man said, yes, of course, he replied. And Charles Blondin, with a smile on his face, said this, well, get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) To which the man refused. Here's my point. It's one thing to believe that he can walk across on the tightrope. It's another thing to believe that he can put someone else in the wheelbarrow and walk across. It's a whole nother level of believing to get in the wheelbarrow Yourself, And believing in Jesus is like getting into the wheelbarrow. And when you get in the wheelbarrow, you are in for the ride of your life. You get some of the things you signed up for and you get a whole lot of things you did not sign up for. It's putting your life in His hands. Believing is entrusting all that you are into all that He is. This is believing. It's not the amount of faith that matters. It's the object of the faith that makes a difference. I want you to catch this. Weak faith in a strong object matters more than strong faith in a weak object. Does that make sense? See, that's why the Bible talks about having the faith as small as the size of a mustard seed. You can do great works because small faith So, big faith in a small object and big faith in a small object are different. It's a matter, not a matter of how much you believe, but in whom you believe. So, the question this morning is do you believe? Having small faith in Jesus to save you is far better than having a lot of faith in the fact that you can save yourself. If you believe in Jesus and you're struggling your faith, it's far better to stay in that place and keep trusting Jesus with small faith in a big God than having big faith in a little person. Are you with me this morning? Secondly, believing isn't something you inherit. It's personal. This is a big one. Jesus asked, who do you? Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter that said, you are the Christ. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. Mary, the woman that gave birth to this saviour child, she said, I believe, may it be unto me as you have said. In other words, Mary believed before she conceived. Before there was any evidence, she believed. It was her personal conviction. See, true belief is always personal. I can't believe for you. It's great that we come to church to be encouraged. It's great to come to church and we get some truths. But at the end of the day, we have to do something with it. You can't believe for me. I can't believe for you. No wife can believe for a husband and a husband can't believe for their wife. A parent can't believe for their children and a children can't believe for their parents. In actual fact, there's a story of these seven young lads and the uh, subtitle would seem to be The Seven Sons of Sceva. And they saw Paul doing great miracles in the name of Jesus. And they thought, that's a great party trick. I'm going to try that. And they got together, and they saw this demonised guy, and, and they tried to do what Paul was doing. But they didn't have a personal revelation. So what they said is that we say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, borrowed truth, come out of this man. And these seven lads got such a flogging, such a beating. It says, they ran away bleeding and naked. I mean, this demonised man didn't just beat up. He stripped them of their clothing because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to humiliate you and he wants to beat you up. If you don't have a personal revelation of who Jesus is, you're going to end up naked and bleeding. And these lads learn out the long way or the wrong hard way what it is to truly believe. Believing is always personal. You must make up your own mind. I'm not here to twist anyone's arm. I'm not here to make you make a decision. I'm here to present the truth of God's Word as best I see it and understand it. And the decision has to be and must always be our decision. The church at its heart is a community of believers who are joined together by their common faith in Jesus Christ. Who's heard of the Apostles' Creed? Maybe some of you uh, are more aware of it recently because of a song that was written um, that kind of acknowledges and honors the age old Apostle Creed. But the Apostle Creed highlights what I believe. If you look at all the points, it doesn't say we believe, it's a, it's a personal conviction. And it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven. And earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his holy Son, our Lord. I believe he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Do you believe that this morning? I believe he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. I believe He descended to the dead. I believe on the third day, He rose again. Do you believe that? If you believe that, that'll change everything. That truth is a game changer. I believe He ascended into heaven and into the right hand of the Father, the Father Almighty, from where He shall come, the judge and the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Universal Church. You believe that I believe in the communion of the saints, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen, 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 and amen. Let it be if we truly believe this is a game changer and it'll change the way we live. Which brings me to my third point this morning. That believing isn't something we say, it's something we live. Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I I love this thought. You are Peter, and on you I will build my church. See, Jesus can only use people who have a revelation, or dare I say, a personal revelation of who he is. Because Peter spoke up and because Peter had the revelation, Jesus gave him a revelation. You've been known as Simon. I'm going to call you Peter. And I can use you because of the revelation that you have. When God calls people, it's on a personal revelation. And if we believe it, we will live it. And what we believe is seen in how we live. What we believe is seen in how we live. See, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there is a difference between belief and knowledge. Mm. And I think many of us get confused with what we believe versus what we know. Yeah. You can know a whole heap of things, but not really believe it. Yeah. Because when you believe it, it'll change the way you live. See, belief is knowledge with conviction. Conviction. It's not just knowledge, it's knowledge that moves us. It's knowledge that motivates us. Because I no longer just know it, I believe it. How many of you know that if you exercise just a bit more than you presently do, and if you just watch what you eat just a little bit more than you do, you are going to be healthier and fitter? Who knows that? We know that. Now, of all the people who know that, how many do anything about it? See, one's knowledge, one's belief. And if you know something, but don't do anything with it, you don't really believe it. You know it, but you don't believe it. And I think there's a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus and a lot about the church, but it doesn't move us because it doesn't go deeper than just knowledge. And when problems come and COVID hits and somebody doesn't like us and somebody ignores us, and somebody did something to my family or someone did something to to me. We act the way we've always acted because what we know doesn't go deep enough to be a conviction. The great apostle, as we've just read, said, this suffering that I'm experiencing, bring it on if it means being more like Christ. That's belief. If it means being ostracised and betrayed and belittled, so be it. I would rather be belittled than let go of the one in whom I believe. If someone comes a little bit earlier to me at church and they take my seat, I'll endure the suffering. And if someone gets to the cafe after and all the donuts are gone, I'll endure the pain for the sake of His name. We should not be acting The way many other people act, if we truly believe it. Because believing changes you, it motivates you. And when you when you know that a little bit of exercise and a little bit of healthy eating is gonna make you fitter, and let's be honest, many people don't actually begin to apply that until they get a death sentence. They go to the doctor and say, unless you do this, you're gonna develop diabetes. Unless you do this, you're gonna die. And all of a sudden they have motivation. Now they got fresh motivation. All of a sudden you see them get in shape. What changed? The knowledge? No. Conviction. They had reason to lose weight. They they, they had a family they want to see grow up. There's a massive difference, church, between what you know. And the trouble is with church life, we get to know a lot of things. And we start kidding ourselves that we're believing it. Today is what do you believe? What do you believe? COVID's tested what we believe about church. He says, so I don't know if I really want to go to church anymore. What if, we, what if we believe in Jesus and He's the pinnacle and He's the model and we want to be like Him and we want to do what He did and we want to go where He went? There's motivation, not because I believe it. Do you know why I believe church is so important? Because it's the bride of Christ. And we have an opportunity to gather together with all of our differences with all the different personalities. And we have an opportunity to work through every one of our differences because we see something greater than my problem and their problem. We see Jesus at the centre and we want to represent Him well. And every time we come to church on a beautiful sunny day when we could be at the beach or we could be paddle boarding, isn't that right, Mike? And we come to church because we want to give Him honour. We come to church because we're not our own, people are watching us. Yeah, yeah. And we come to church because we have a conviction. We have a church, we come to church because we believe. Yeah. And it brings a smile on the face. It's going, I know, Mike, it's sunny, and I know it's beautifully, calm out there, and I know. And it means so much more. But it's more than that. I, I believe that the church isn't just here for me, I'm here for it. Because yeah. the church is people. And if we would dare just hang around a little bit longer, than just shoot straight off, you get to know some of those people, and you get to know some of their highs, and get to know some of their lows, you get to know some of their struggles and some of their wins, and you might develop friendships and relationships with people that you never would have if it hadn't been for the church. Do you know how many people have met, fallen in love, and got married through the church, only to have kids and then just leave? I believe that the church is God's plan. I believe that the church is the only thing that Jesus is building on the earth today. The church is the only thing that Jesus is coming back for. It's important. So church, let's refocus. No condemnation, but let's refocus. But it does test what we believe. What we believe. And as Pastor Nathan said when he was with us, Because we're in a relationship with Jesus, it's not just about him loving me, it's about me loving him the way he wants to be loved. And so if he wants me to go to church, because that's what he wants, we're going to do that. Again, if you didn't listen to that message, please get a hold of it. made this incredible point about his wife loving avocado on toast. And for him, avocado on toast doesn't even make sense. But every morning, he makes her avocado on toast. Why? Because that's loving her, the way she wants to be loved. There's things that God wants us to do. And if we believe that, we'll do it. And it's not about us liking it. It's about us doing it because we love someone. Are you with me? You know, obviously, this message comes with a little bit of a challenge. And I'm not standing up here telling you I've arrived on this. I'm not saying I no longer struggle with the things I believe. I, I, I want to tell you that there's a struggle. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. It's real for me, and I think it's real for every one of us in this room. And I want to encourage you today to be ones who are committed to growing in our believing. In Mark chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. Have you ever been in a situation where you believe something, but you're struggling with unbelief? Is it possible to believe and yet still struggle with unbelief? Of course it is. Do you believe God can heal? Yes. Do you believe He can heal you in your situation? Help me, Lord. And so it's acknowledging the unbelief. It's acknowledging the struggle. Because true believing changes the way we live. It changes the way we live. Next week, we're going to look at the church, a place to behave. Because while God loves us as we are, he loves us too much to keep us as we are. And and I I see in different sectors where all of a sudden sin is now tolerated. Do you know there's a big difference between you struggling with your swearing versus saying, it doesn't matter if I swear, God loves me anyway. They're two different things. God help me, I've got this foul temper, I've got this foul language, help me. That's different then what's it matter? He loves me anyway. He's okay with it. It's not a sin. Can you see the difference? Yeah. And so when it comes to unbelief, if you're struggling, that's okay. But just bring it to Him. We sang a song earlier and I'd like to go back into it. God, we, re-surrender. Yeah. Christianity is not just about surrendering. That's where it starts. But it's a life of Surrender. I surrendered my life to Jesus in my teenage years. If you say, how many times have you surrendered your life since? A gazillion. Every day I come back to Him. And I just resurrender, And I resurrender, surrender Because I would rather keep resurrendering surrendering than change the Word of God in my thinking. I would rather resurrender surrender and acknowledge my struggle than change my belief. I would rather acknowledge my struggle than redefine what true believing is. Is this encouraging? God loves us that much. And He wants us to come to Him. It's Peter in his struggle. The very man who said, I will never disown you. What are you talking about, Jesus? Why are you picking on me? And for goodness sake, I'm not only not gonna disown you, but why three times? Why do you think I'm gonna disown you three times? That's ridiculous. That will never happen. And Peter in in a numbed state. Because remember, just before, just before, just before Peter denied Jesus, do you know what happened? Peter pulled out a sword in order to help Jesus. Where did the cynicism, where did the doubt, where did the, I'm had enough come from? Peter trying to help Jesus. Peter tries to help Jesus. He basically gets rebuked. Put your sword away. What are you doing? Haven't you learned anything? And Peter just goes away. The guy I've been following for the last three years gets arrested gets taken off. Peter's just numb. What, 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 what was all that about? And someone comes up to him, hey, he's with them. And No, I'm, no, I'm not. At that point in time, I don't even think Peter was aware of what he just said, let alone there's a first denial. I don't even think he's acknowledged he's had a denial. He's just numb. And then it happens again. And then on the third time, this young girl, and then it says he starts swearing at her. All the old stuff just comes to the fore. Peter, Get the... I don't know what the auto captions do with that little moment, but anyway. And Peter's done. He goes back fishing. Have you ever felt done? And if that was a full stop in Peter's life, it would be over. But it's not, it's just a comma. And maybe there's, you're facing something now. I would say, don't put a full stop there. Just turn your full stop into a comma. Because when Peter, Jesus rose again and came to the shore, Peter sees Jesus, you know what he did? He didn't keep rowing away. And he could have. He could have said, that's Jesus. Let's keep going. I've had enough. Paddleboard. But what he does, he's the first one to get out the boat and swim to Jesus. Where was Peter's success in the fact he never failed? Oh my gosh, he failed so many times. His success was he kept coming back. Kept coming back. Kept resurrendering, kept resurrendering, kept resurrendering. Got hurt, resurrendered. Got hurt, got resurrendered. Got betrayed, resurrendered. That's the Christian life. I would rather that, keep coming back to him, than change what it is we believe. One of the saddest things for me is seeing people my age who got saved when I got saved, all those years ago. And what they believed then and what they believe now is just two different things. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that way. Let's just keep coming back to Jesus. Let's humble ourselves and say, I blew it, I'm sorry, Will you forgive me? Are you with me? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved because of what you believe.